come and bring the message. Super. Okay. So the Bible reading uh, today is, is from uh, 1 Peter 5, verses 5 to 11. And we'll give you just a, a moment to actually to find that in your Bibles, because um, it's always good if you can follow along and uh, see where we're going and check to make sure I don't make any mistakes. So let's pick it up. 1 Peter 5, verses 5 to 11. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will, restore, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> then we'll get underway. That's exactly what we're going to do. Um, so uh, I do want to say to all the dads out there, happy Father's Day. I hope you got spoiled today. Uh, I got my presents at lunchtime today. Eight blocks of chocolate. Eight blocks of chocolate is what I got. What I really wanted was a flat stomach, but I got eight blocks of chocolate. So we'll see how those two things combine. Now, um... On Father's Day, no coincidence that we're doing the topic of parenting. And people say there are lots of good reasons not to have children. For example, you save money, uh, you have freedom, you can go out to dinner with a friend and enjoy that experience. Uh, you're not um, overpopulating a world with diminishing resources, you get to sleep, etc., etc. But I think there are three main reasons for having children that correspond to different times in your life. So when they're born, uh, it's all about government benefits, isn't it? Uh, we had our sons when Peter Costello was the federal treasurer, and he was encouraging couples to have three children, uh, one for mum, one for dad, one for the country. Or in my case, I just thought three for the sake of government handouts. Why not? Of course, um, you hope that your children will look after you when you get old. That's sort of the second reason. But the third reason to have kids is to embarrass them when they're teenagers. And that's the stage of life that I'm in right now, and I know many of you are as well. And the thing is, just by existing, you embarrass them, don't you? If you try to sing, they will be mortified. And should you even uh, like attempt the hint of a dance move, it's a near-death experience for them. So it's just so much fun being in this zone. I'm really leaning into it during uh, home learning in lockdown. And there's nothing that I enjoy more than photobombing one of their Zoom classes or early morning roll call. First thing, just wearing my bike shorts after coming in from a morning ride. Or uh, making just random animal noises in the background. This week I've been Googling what sound does a giraffe make. It's so much fun and they hate it. And in a way, you've got to laugh because otherwise you might cry. Because jokes aside, when we think about any of these topical issues that we're covering in this series, uh, marriage, dating, ageing, uh, friendship, singleness, there, there's potential for pain. Potential for pain because we're talking about relationships. But I suspect that none has quite the same potential to bring about both unbridled joy and soul-crushing heartache as this topic, parenting children. 
Uh, I mean, I, I've prayed with couples who have not been able to fall pregnant or uh, been able to keep uh, their babies throughout pregnancy. I've sat in doctor's surgeries where, where the doctor wouldn't say whether our own unborn son would live to see the light of day. I'll never forget going to see a couple who lost their unborn child at 39 weeks and just holding this beautiful stillborn baby in my arms. There is, of course, pain for many of our single folk who would have dearly loved to have been parents and haven't yet had the chance to do that. And, of course, some of you would sh have shared stories of your children who have been harmed or who have harmed others or who have become estranged from you or estranged from God. Children can bring such unbridled joy, but all jokes aside, the reason not to have them is what was said to Mary, the mother of Jesus, in light of the life ahead of him. A sword will pierce your own soul too. Unbridled joy and piercing pain. Well, that's parenting, isn't it? How can we do parenting or perhaps even grandparenting God's way? Well, that's the topic for today in our One Another series. And look, uh, it'll be no surprise to you that I think uh, the Bible speaks into parenting in all sorts of ways. But today I want to focus on four common parenting scenarios or four common parenting challenges. There's anxiety, self-control, indulgence and neglect. You know, as parents, we can get anxious about our children or we lose control with their antics or we un indulge them unnecessarily or we neglect them, especially spiritually. And so I really do hope you have 1 Peter 5 open in front of you. And if you don't, it'll be worth getting it open now because we're going to start there. And as you're doing that, I have to say that 1 Peter 5 is not about biological parenting. In the first part of that chapter, verses 1 to 4, it's clearly talking about church leaders acting as willing, uh, watchful, dutiful shepherds of God's people who are under their care. And then from verse 5 onwards, where we picked up the reading, it's talking about relationships between Christian uh, people in general. But like I said in the first talk in our One Another series a few weeks ago, if we only consider the specific instructions about parenting in the New Testament, we're going to miss most of what the New Testament has to say on this topic. And you can see that even in the opening verse today. So read along with me in verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble and so for any younger people watching today including children it is generally fitting and right that you submit yourselves to elders that is older folks in positions of authority over you that includes your parents you know it's not a legal requirement for you to rebel against them during your teenage years I wonder if you knew that in the Old Testament anyone who cursed their father or mother was to be put to death Something I've reminded my sons about this week. And so younger ones, submit yourselves to your elders, including your parents. But moreover, and this is our one another verse for the day, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. I mean, that really is God's default setting for relationships between Christians, even within the family context. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. That's what gains God's approval. And parents, I wonder if you're the kind of parent who can never bring yourself to admit to your children that you were wrong or that you made a mistake or that when you got angry with them, it was more about what was going on inside of you than it was about them. 
So clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Well, having covered that kind of baseline attitude of humility in which we think of others before ourselves and we act in their interests, let's get to these four common, uh, common parenting dilemmas. And the Apostle Peter touches on the first one there in verses 6 and 7. So read along with me again. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Cast your anxiety on God. When you think about it, being a parent is often about managing our own personal anxieties about our children. I mean, initially we're anxious about having kids at all, uh, and then when they're little we're anxious about them, um, well, whether we're doing the, just the basics right in order to keep them alive and well and, and then we're anxious about their development you know the physical emotional and mental development and whether they're reaching their milestones and then we worry about whether they'll have any friends or the kind of friends they seem to have collected and as they get older and branch out maybe this is what Steve was talking about we worry about some of the choices they make and we're still worried about the kind of friends they've collected and we worry when they don't go out and we worry when they do go out and boy do we worry when they start driving is that not the truth i mean that is a whole new level of anxiety and we find it very easy to become tiger mums helicopter parents or that weird dad yelling from the sideline and it's the under six soccer and you're thinking to yourself my goodness man what are you yelling for what are you so worried about how are we going to manage our worry and our anxiety can I suggest maybe not by seizing control over every aspect of our children's lives uh, and can I suggest instead that at least in part it will be by casting our anxiety onto God in prayer and I wonder if you notice the Apostle Peter adds a lovely little phrase there because God cares for you in fact, this works for all of our, our anxieties, doesn't it? Not just our parenting one, and even if we're not parents at all. Um, cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. You know, you ask yourself that question, how do I humble myself under God's mighty hand? Well, not by grasping control over every square inch, but by you casting your anxieties on God. Because no matter what kind of parent you are, or even what kind of parents you might have had, God is our wonderful Heavenly Father who cares for you. He doesn't just save us from our sins in this great once-for-all-time transaction. He wants to be with us in the minutia of our daily lives. So we cast our anxieties upon Him. Isn't that great news? Well, that's anxiety. That's the first of the four. Uh, in verse 8, Peter, I guess unwittingly, uncovers a second of our modern parenting pitfalls. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Or in some versions, be self-controlled and alert. And he then talks about the devil prowling around uh, like a lion looking for a meal. Let me ask you the question, parents. Do you reckon the devil does his best work in you when your kids are pushing your buttons? Because I reckon he does some of his best work in me when that's happening. And so there's an instruction to us all to be self-controlled and alert. And I do wonder whether some of those um, showdowns, some of those kind of angry meltdowns we have with our kids, could have been avoided if we were alert to ourselves and the situation we're in. When we recognize that we're tired, when we realize that we are stressed, 
when we just thought there's stuff going on inside of me, I really ought to be careful. And maybe we just need to take a deep breath, or count to 10, or walk out of the room in order to control ourselves. Now, it's uh, not always possible to do, to do that, I know. And where we've made a mistake, we need to get down to their level, like quite literally, and apologize. But there really is an opportunity for us to be self-controlled and alert. Now, Daniel Craig, or uh, James Bond, he's caused a bit of a ruckus lately. I don't know if you've heard this, but he has declared that his two daughters will not inherit much of his $220 million fortune. And he finds the concept of inheritance distasteful, I think was his word. <laughs> Apparently, this is galling to the vast majority of the rest of us who still have to worry about our kids' futures. But it marks a trend amongst the super wealthy who plan to leave their children only enough to do something, but not too much where they do nothing. Uh, so Bill and Melinda Gates, they've gone on a record about their humble parenting style, planning on giving their children only around $10 million US each. Well, that's my plan as well, boys, if you happen to be watching tonight. But but things you don't have to be super wealthy to indulge your children, and indulgence might have nothing at all to do with money. Uh, whereas I think the baby boomer generation generally gets a hard time for indulging themselves, you know, for spending their kids' inheritance, going lap after lap around the country in their Winnebago's. I wonder if subsequent generations, we've made more of a habit of indulging our children who seem to have more parties and more stuff than ever before, but who are less disciplined and contribute less to family life than ever before. Well, now that I've offended um, basically every generation, <laughs> it's interesting to get Proverbs' take on parenting. Uh, the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, it both implores children to listen to their parents and it describes parents' joy when their children display wisdom. Well, the, it doesn't really tell parents how to get their kids to listen to them in the first place, but it does speak repeatedly against indulgence and in favour of discipline. Like Proverbs 13, verse 24, for example. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Isn't that strong? Whoever spares the rod hates their children. Or uh, in uh, 29, verse 15. A rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. Now, friends, I'm not really interested in what you think about smacking, but you can see that this ancient collection of wisdom suggests that a lack of discipline leads to ruin. And so we need to remember that we, we're not best friends with our kids, right? That's not our job. And we have to let them fail. And we can't protect them from every risk. And giving them everything they want is not actually loving them. But measured, appropriate, and reasoned discipline is going to help them. And it really is this book of Proverbs that leads us into the final of our four common parenting traps, and that is the trap of neglect. And I mean that generally, of course, that clothing ourselves with humility won't just mean casting our anxieties on God in prayer and exercising self-control. It also means putting our children's needs before our own without um, being indulgent. Whether that's physical needs to keep them alive, uh, emotional needs, developmental needs, and so on. And I suspect most of us will not be negligent in those ways. Although I will say, and I wonder if you found this, as they get older, we can get out of the habit of telling them that we love them every day. 
that we're proud of them and the person they are becoming. Uh, I, I wonder if you've found it's easier to become their critic than their champion as they get older. Now, I understand why you may not want to, may not want to give a teenage boy a hug because you're scared you're going to catch a disease or something like that. But the truth is they still need it, don't they? Nevertheless, tonight I just want to, for a few moments, focus on spiritual neglect, if I may. And again, this is where Proverbs is helpful. So Proverbs 22, verse 6. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now, it's not a guarantee, but start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. You see, there's a role that you have as a parent, uh, and to a lesser degree, a grandparent, um, that can shape kids for their long-term future and and just as we are hands-on with their physical development i mean we work hard here to provide food and clothing and shelter and just as we are hands-on with their social development you know we organize play dates and drive them to parties and just as we're hands-on with their intellectual development we take a keen interest in their schooling just as we are hands-on with their emotional development we teach them how to express their emotions helpfully why wouldn't you be hands-on with their spiritual development It just doesn't make sense that we would be interested in their development across all these other important areas, but neglect their spiritual development. And seeing as it's Father's Day, fathers, I want to say we have a particular role to play. So Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. I guess that's the self-control stuff. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. The Apostle Paul says something very similar in Colossians 3, verse 21. Now, why do you think he needs to specifically address fathers? Because he doesn't seem to need to address mothers specifically. I take it he knows that fathers are prone to taking a back seat in the spiritual nurture of their kids. That it's all too easy for us to hide behind our busy jobs, our engrossing hobbies, whatever else it might be, and to leave that most important work to others. Well, fellows, this should not be. What do you reckon a young boy is going to learn if he sees that his mum is interested in following Jesus, but his dad could be better described as a passenger? Don't you reckon he might think that this Christian stuff is really for girls if he never sees you as a father taking an interest? Perhaps it will never cross your daughter's mind that being a growing Christian is an important thing to look for in a future husband if she never sees that in her own father. And so, fellas, I do want to encourage you, let us get to work on this front. But really, mums and dads, we're talking about together. You know, it's a team effort, isn't it? And uh, people have pictured or depicted parenting as like a river. And um, clearly, you can see with the river, there's two banks through which water passes along a stream. Now, as we nurture our kids along their passage from childhood through adolescence and on to adulthood, parents, you might like to think of yourselves as one of those banks. And the other bank is all the, the, the conglomeration of relationships, networks, contacts they have which impact their passage through life. Now, I, it's just an analogy, right? I get that. But that analogy tells you that as parents, you are the constant and most important people in the shaping of your kids, certainly socially, but also spiritually. Now, when they're young, they'll, they'll tend to stay pretty close to your bank. And as they get older, they will likely push away, push off from your bank, but they still need something to push off from. And uh, they still need to know that your bank is there. 
And I reckon most of the time they're going to want to have your bank in sight. So you want to be that kind of solid guiding influence. You want to be an imitatable Christian. Somebody whose life they'd want to copy. I mean, why wouldn't you read those Bible story books to your kids even when they're very little? Like even before they can read, even when they're very young. Just giving them a familiarity with the stories and the characters. Why wouldn't you say prayers with your kids at bedtime or at dinner time? And as they get older, you can read age-appropriate material, which probably just means the Bible. And sometimes that leads to good conversations, especially if you ask questions that will get them thinking. And sometimes it doesn't, and that's okay. But you want to let your kids see their parents praying for others and praying for them and praying through important decisions. Uh, Now, we fall in and out of these habits sometimes. I think one of the opportunities of COVID lockdown is that there is just less on. You can actually have more of these conversations. But of course, you've got to be intentional. I mean, one of the dads in my growth group, John, he just had the basic thought that he would watch the same Discipleship Explored videos that we've been using in our group with his teenage kids. That's a good idea. There's another dad from church, Craig. He bought the book that we promoted when John Dixon was here, you know, Seven Reasons to Reconsider Christianity. He just thought, that's a good book. I'm going to read a few pages of that book with my kids every night. What a great idea. But you don't need to go to Bible college or have a Bible college degree to do that. Just some intentionality and then pushing through some of those awkward moments until it becomes just that thing that you do. Now, back to the river. There's another whole bank, isn't there, which helps steer your kids, better or worse, through their passage from childhood to adulthood, which doesn't mean you don't have to do it all on your own. It actually means you can't do it all on your own. And friends, that's a large part of the reason why we come together as church. For your kids to see other Christians, to see older Christians. I mean, five o'clock, that's the reason why, one of the reasons why we have dinner together. So your kids see other and older Christians, as well as to get age-appropriate input in their kids and youth programs to build relationships with other Christians. Now, uh, let me say at this time, I understand that Youth Live on Friday nights and Kids Church online videos aren't as good as meeting in the flesh. Nobody thinks they are. Of course not. But it seems to me that in this era, we've got to make the most of what there is there and what we can do and not whine about what we can't do. And so parents, I do want to say, be encouragers of your kids and your teenagers. And sometimes you might actually say, tonight you're going to this. Uh, If you leave it up to them, Uh, Let me say, they know how to play us, don't they? And if we leave it up to them, very few of them will make the most of all that is there to help them grow as Christians. Now, of course, that's going to change as they get older and older, like Steve was talking about. I mean, you can't force your 22-year-old kid to go to church. But we want to make sure that we don't neglect our kids spiritually any more than we would in any other part of their lives. Parents, I do want to say, be encouragers of your kids Uh, especially to get into things that will help them grow as Christians. Now, um, just before we finish and um, tackle some of your questions, uh, one final word. seems to me we can do all the above. We can cast our anxieties on God and we can exercise self-control and we can discipline them rather than indulge them and we can nurture them rather than neglect them and it can still not work out right. 
They're human beings, man. We're talking about the most complex and least predictable things in all creation. And it seems equally you can do none of those things and it can still not work out right. There just are no guarantees. And so lastly, I hope it's okay to say that we have these precious wee things called kids on loan for a short time. I mean, we're responsible for them, but really they belong to God. And so ultimately, and as easy as this is to say and as difficult as it is to do, we entrust them to him in faith, even when it's gone wrong, and perhaps especially when it's gone wrong. We entrust them to him, and we pray for them just as we pray for ourselves, because the God who cares for us also cares for them, even more than we do. Well, let's do that now. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for our children, all of the children that are represented in the 5 o'clock congregation. Uh, we thank you for entrusting them to us for these few short years. Our loving Heavenly Father, we give you our pain, whatever description it is. We ask that you might give us your peace in return. And help us as parents, grandparents, perhaps kind of spiritual parents in a sense of some kids to cast our anxieties about them on you to exercise self-control to discipline appropriately rather than to indulge unnecessarily and to nurture them especially spiritually and we do indeed commit our kids to you in jesus name amen amen well um you'll notice during the prayer time that i'm now joined by kath and steve so welcome back i'm just going to get my computer set up we'll fire away on some of your questions Scott, I just would like to say thank you um, for your sermon tonight and something that I really appreciated was that you recognised that parenting is anxiety provoking <laughs> on many, many levels and that we have a great God who we can bring our anxieties to. So thank you for yeah, that levelling factor and reminding us that it's not about us. Thank you, Kath. Well, listen, Kath, seeing as uh, uh, you spoke first, that means you win. Um, you get to answer the first question. So I'm going to ask you the question just as I um, find out ones that have been fired in. Tell us some, well, it's the same question we asked Steve earlier. Tell us one thing in your parenting journey that you think has made a difference with your kids. Oh, thanks, Scott. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, parenting, Wow. I think the one thing that has been um, helpful for me is to be able to pray for them all the time and pray for me that God would help me be um, a better parent than I thought I could ever be and in difficult situations to know that God would give me wisdom beyond myself. Mm. So I think prayer was like the best the best thing that I could ever do okay. and continue to do. Because, yep. you, you know, once your children are adults, you still, still pray children. for them. They're still yep. your kids. Yep. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, thanks, Kath. Uh, friends, do um, send your questions in. The number is in the description field on the YouTube um, um, page there. Um, I'm going to ask you both the same question, but I might hit um, Steve up first. What do you think your daughters would say about um, your parenting or your and Hiroko's parenting? I'll ask them that as soon as I get home. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I think if they were honest, they'd probably say a, a mixed bag. Yeah. You know, um, they'd probably, on the one hand, probably be quick to point out places where we haven't been perfect, um, and that's probably fair mm. to do. 
Um, I, I would hope as well, though, that they might say that we have given them some opportunities in life and we've listened to them sometimes. Mm. Um, hopefully we've listened to them more than we haven't, but uh, uh, it's, I, I, think, I think there's places where we haven't done the best we could, but I think that uh, I hope our daughters know that we love them mm. and, that we, um, and, and that that drives the decisions we make, whether those decisions are good or bad. Yep. So. Okay, cool. What about you, Kath? What do you think they'd say? Other kids, yes. They'd say, Mum, you've loved us. Sometimes you're a bit... Um, I know Philip would say that I probably cheered too loudly on the soccer <laughs> sidelines. Very enthusiastic I was to support him in his, in his sporting Saturday ventures. Mm. Um, I think for a couple of them they would say, thank you for helping me understand who God is and how much he loves them and for them to have a personal relationship with him. And I think Philip would say that he's grateful that we love him. Mm. Yep. yep. So it's very hard to it's very hard to under um, to overstate, I should say, how important it is to um, listen to them and really let them know in all those kinds of ways that they're deeply, deeply loved. Yeah, it's actually much more important, isn't it, than them having a tidy room or or that stuff that we usually often stress about. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, I I do have this. Um, this piece of uh, cardboard, a paper card that my uh, younger daughter, Emma, um, gave me many, many years ago. Um, and I still have it. Um, and it says it's all written in lovely, you know, year two handwriting yeah. or something like that. Um, but it's a little kind of poem talking about my dad, my dad, my dad. In the end, she says, the important thing about my dad is he's cool. <laughs> so I don't know if she still thinks that now. No, she doesn't. You know, at this no, point, no, it's, it's probably, <laughs> so that's why I hold on to the card, you know. But uh, hey. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm keen to hear about habits. We talk about habits quite a lot here at church, like sort of godly habits for ourselves and how we nurture a growing relationship with God. Um, are there habits that you've either um, kind of built into family life, either parenting with your um, spouse or just sort of family traditions that have been uh, really helpful or useful? So, Kathy, are you happy to kick off with that one? Sure. Thanks, Scott. So some of that... Things that we deliberately um, made as habits or instituted in our family were um, grace bet before every meal, that we would have a meal together at night, no distractions, that people, you know, some of them would wind each other up and we had to try and calm that down. Um, and we'd get each of them to take turns in saying grace. And I do remember one child saying to another, I think you've said that grace that same grace every time for two years. But just for them to have thankful hearts um, and we'd read the Bible with them at, after the evening meal together when they were a bit older. But a habit that we had when they were little was to read the Bible with them each as they went to bed and to pray with them and to talk about the day. And I, when they are a little bit older and they sort of got the whinge factor happening, we used to um, have a little prayer time, which was thank you, sorry, please, TPS. And if they'd whinged a bit too much, they had to say a certain number of thank yous. Mm. And that increased if they were a bit more whingy than normal. And then they weren't allowed to ask anything till they'd said all their thank yous. So prayer, prayer was something really big. And 
Um, and also just affection mm. f- towards each other and love mm. and forgiveness, actually. Mm. That was a big thing in our family. We had to um, talk through forgiveness and how that was to be worked out. Yeah, okay, cool. What about you, mate? Yeah, I think uh, some similar things. I guess we, um, we try to have a dinner together. Um, and prior to COVID, actually, it was getting harder and harder with the girls at the level that they are. Um, during COVID, one of the blessings really has been that we have had dinner together almost every night for mm. a long time in this lockdown. Um, and uh, Sunday mornings, we have brunch together. Um, and it's just a time for us to sit down and just really chill and enjoy each other's company and eat some food together and talk. Um, dinner times, we have a kind of a whole routine. We, uh, we talk about things, some, everybody has to come up with something that they enjoyed during the day that they're thankful for. Mm. Some way that they were just something that really was good that worked for them. Um, and then after dinner, we, um, we, we pray together and we usually read a psalm. We kind of go through psalms. Some of the psalms are great and some of them are a little challenging but we just kind of go through them and um and try to incorporate those into the way that we pray um, but we certainly uh, take the time to to find ways that we can things that we can be specifically thankful for and sometimes that's challenging sometimes we look at the day and say it's nothing right mm. um no, no no there's got to be something there must be something to be thankful for right and there there's there there always is something that we can be thankful for uh, when we think when we think about it, so that's I think I mean obviously they have particular things as well, habits and in, in things that you do uh, once a year, um, you know Christmas time, certain things you do, and, and so on as a family. We've been actually really blessed, I think, as a family by a, a kind of a strange thing, the fact that we've moved around the world together, and so I think that has, as a family, pulled us together because very often the constant then, mm-hmm. as we go to a new place and we before we've made new friends. All we have is each other. Mm. And so if we get into fights with each other, you don't have much left. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. There is a sense that you know, your family is, is going to stick. It's the only ones that are going to stick really, really with you. Right? Mm. So. Yeah. Oh, but. Cool. I mean, uh, what I'm hearing there is um, both a, a real emphasis on um, like Bible reading and prayer together, but focusing on thankfulness, which I think is key, um, and spending time together. And I, I reckon now in COVID is an opportunity to um, press the reset button on things like family dinners and hanging out a little bit more um, and a great way to make the most of what is otherwise a pretty challenging time. Uh, look, the, la- the last question that's come in is one about resources. Uh, I'm sure you've got um, go-to parenting resources. A couple that come to mind for me, um, there's the Parental As Anything uh, podcast, Parental As Anything. There's Gener- Generation Next blog and the Anglican Youth Works website has got some great um, kind of Christian-based um, parenting material there. So that's Anglican, sorry, it's youthworks.net, I think is the web address for that. Uh, maybe check that out. Um, thanks so much, guys, for being with us and being a part of this evening. I hope you found some of that helpful for you. 